Always be intentional. I think you shouldn't ever edit something just because, and you shouldn't leave the mistakes in just because. You, you need to know why. This is the Self-Recording Band Podcast, the show where we help you make exciting records on your own, wherever you are, DIY style. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the Self-Recording Band Podcast. I am your host, Benedict Hein, and I'm here, as always, with my friend and co-host, Malcolm Owen Flood. How are you, Malcolm? Hello, I'm great, Benny. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Last week... Awesome. You asked me how I was. I told a little bit about what was going on. Now, this week, I want to know, what did you do on the weekend? How are you? How have you been? <laughs> I've been good. Yeah, what did I do on the weekend? I just hung out with my fiance quite a bit, because that's all you really can do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, got some, did a Costco shopping trip. It was you know, invigorating stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just... Sounded like an old man, but uh, it was actually awesome. It was very <laughs> relaxing. Um, I I didn't work. I I resisted the urge to to go into the studio, and I, I went into the studio one time, almost almost about to work, and then I said no, and I grabbed a video game controller and played video games instead, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds counterproductive, but I, it was the best thing I could have done. I like yeah. needed to. I was. I've just been like really grinding and enjoying it, but. Uh, for people that haven't mixed too often. If you mix for too long and too much, you you hit a wall and then you have to like take a real break. So it's it's more productive to to take to force yourself to take breaks along the way. Oh yeah, totally. You have to and it's sometimes you are way beyond the point where you should have actually taken like that break and you don't even notice. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's hard to to notice when that happens. You, I think, I'm not really sure. Sometimes I have great mixing sessions that go on for hours and days sometimes, but, and and sometimes I don't really, I'm not really able to make great decisions anymore after like two or three hours. So yeah. I don't know. There <laughs> seems to be a number of factors that play into that. But typically, I think most people agree that without a break, more than like three or four hours is almost not doable. And then with a break, it'll like, after a full day of eight or 10 hours, it's definitely over. And yes. <laughs> if you've done that for a week or so, you definitely need to have a longer break. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like not just your ears. It's a lot of mental stuff too. You got to like keep creativity there and, and just like perspective and, and energy. Um, and then, yeah, your ears are another thing entirely though because they do play tricks on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, they do. <laughs> I, uh, I'll be vulnerable and honest here. I had uh, a few weeks back, like one of the worst mixes I've ever done in my life. I sent really? out. Oh, um, shit. Yeah. And it was a band I'm very comfortable with, uh, okay. like very comfortable with. Uh, I've worked with them a ton. And, and so they know <laughs> what my work should be. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. Just like, you know, for some reason, I'm monitoring twice as loud as I normally do. And I'm just like grinding it out just the end of like a long day. And I'm like, yeah, this sounds super banging. I'm, I'm in send it off and then it was like an immediate like whoa <laughs> uh something's wrong here and then i was like sure that it sounded awesome um but then i did the you know gave myself some time away from it came back and i was like oh thank god it's like my friends that i mixed this one for wow. and uh i know i wouldn't have sent it to them if it wasn't i almost always do uh i like finish it one day and then don't send it till the next day kind of move yep uh, 
totally. uh, which is very wise, by the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this time I didn't. And uh, oh my God, it was bad. But then it ended up awesome. Okay, um, that's the good yeah, story. The, the, the remix part. was like, okay, I know where I went wrong. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. A pro tip here, as Malcolm said, um, always, absolutely always, if if the deadline allows, um, just let it sit there, go back to it the next day, and then confirm that it's good and then send it. That's something I struggle sometimes with because I'm so stoked on what I do usually that I just want to want to get it out and get the feedback yeah. and w- I just want them to, to have fun with it and listen to it. So yeah. the the second that I consider it finished, I just want to send it out. But I always yeah. need to convince myself to not do that. Even if I think it's really rad, just wait and the next day uh-huh. go back to it. And almost always I find something that's really worth tweaking. Yeah. Sometimes it's not even worth, you know, like because you're like, oh, I just got to go in there and like micro adjust the snare 0.02 dBs, yeah. uh, and it's like, okay, why did I do that? That's not necessary, but <laughs> but like that's that's normally it. It's like just minor little tweaks, and but you're you're uh, for the most part, it's like, okay, yeah, this is good, awesome. Yeah. Um, but every once in a while, it's like really glad I gave that a day to to, to simmer. Um, and uh, like I was in like the middle of like a string of like of home runs of like the send off the mix, no revision requests off we go I'm like I was on fire and then this one mix was just garbage <laughs> I don't know what happened and, and it's, it's just what we're talking about it's just my ears were probably fried it was the end of the weekend uh, yeah yeah so just uh, <laughs> that can happen that can it happen it can happen yeah. nobody bats 100 well nope uh, I, have a, I have a similar story I had a similar story story two weeks ago it was not because of ear fatigue, but I made another um, like very common um, mistake. And like, if you are sharing such a story, I, I want to share one as well. <laughs> um, I ruined the mix as well, but not because of fatigue, but because last minute, like just before I got I finished the mix, I decided to reference a couple of tracks, uh, uh, and I was happy with the mix as, as it was, and I should have just left it like leave it that way, but. Um, I decided, like, one of the references that the band gave me were, or some of the references they gave me were CLA mixes, like really radio rock, big sort of mixes. And that's not my typical vibe that I'm going for. Like, I like it a little more raw and organic and, like, I don't know, not so scooped. I like to have a fuller mid-range most of the time. And But then I listened to those CLA mixes and decided that I was going in the totally in the wrong direction. So I tweaked my mix to match those CLA mixes more and that completely ruined everything. I should have just left it as it was. I tried to mimic something that was just not right for the songs and I should have went with my gut feelings. But I decided to go after the CLA mixes and I sent it to the band and we both decided that this was not good at all. (laughs) Not not the right (laughs) thing to do with these songs. So we changed it and what we ended up with was pretty much my first version of yeah. the mix. So yeah, that can happen yeah. as well. Yeah, that is, uh, that is part of <laughs> been there is all I can say. To yeah. that. It's <laughs> like you pull in the reference mix and, and then it's like, it just like flips what you thought was awesome. All of a sudden it's like, you're like, Oh, well, this is, this is so different. It must be wrong. Yes. But that's not necessarily the case. It might be so different and that's right. Um, so learning to choose good, like accurate references is almost a skill that you have to develop. I feel like, like <laughs> yeah. what, what is a good reference for one band might not be for another song or another band. Um, 
yeah, I've got like a whole catalog of references and I'm pretty careful about what I drag in um, to, to the session because it can like really mess with you. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes like in this case, the bank gives you a reference, but even those references might not be right for the product project. They just don't know. Wait, a band's vision of what their song should be was wrong? No way. <laughs> oh my God. That's never happened in my life. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Oh, so yeah, but that's... Uh, and they they agreed with everything that I said. So they didn't want the CLA mix in the end, but they thought that they wanted one. So No, they liked the songs. That's that's what they liked. Yes. That's, that, almost every reference I get is uh, they liked the song. Yep. and. Um, occasionally there's something they're like but the, you know what the, the the factor is you can tell when they they are sending a proper reference because they're like I like this about it like they talk about it not just this song's great yeah. <laughs> you know um, they're like I the, like the drum sound is very on par with what we're doing kind of thing like stuff like that and you're like okay I can take this seriously <laughs> yeah you're right yeah absolutely that's that's actually something you could tell bands or you can communicate within your band um, that if someone wants to use something as a reference, have a reason for it and try to describe why you want to do it. And yeah, that's yeah. absolutely good. Okay. Well, uh, we should go get to today's episode, um, which is sort of part two of what we were talking about last week. So it's all about the performances. Mm-hmm. It's all about, um, yeah, the songs and uh, how they are being played. And uh, we last week we were talking about what is actually tight enough, how tight is tight enough, because people seem to struggle with that. And we figured that it is a like it's a combination of performance and also editing. Um, so if you want to get something really tight, you need to play it well. You need to de- decide first of all what is actually tight enough. Then you need to learn how to play it. You need to analyze your your recordings of what you do. And you need to try to to get it as good as possible. But then there's another step, and that is called editing. And that happens after the performance has been recorded. And it's almost always necessary. Contrary to popular belief, um, editing is almost always necessary and helpful for your music. It doesn't hurt your music by default. So uh, that's, that's what we're trying to talk and explain, um, talk about and explain to you today in this episode. So... Why do you need do your tracks need editing? What's the number one reason in your opinion? Welcome. There is a misconception that editing removes feel uh from from music. Um and I would argue quite the opposite. I would argue that usually when we're editing we're actually trying to correct feel or or, or reinforce feel um and make sure that the feel is what is getting across and not technical deficiencies um so the first reason i'm doing that is to reinforce the 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 kind of core aspects of the song <clears throat> which uh in the modern recording environment is almost always starting with rhythmic stuff um so we're kind of creating a groove i guess first and foremost yeah i agree and um to me the biggest reason for why in tracks need editing is that i think the level of quality or the level of not perfection that's that's what people like will will take and and use against us <laughs> but <laughs> not perfection but the way modern recordings sound and the way 
the um, we like, yeah the the way modern recordings sound and what we like about most records and not not only modern recordings but great recordings in general because editing was a thing in the past as well many people are not yes. aware of that but it's it's always been the thing basically um, the way professional records sound let's put it let's put it that way is usually not only achieved through playing. And if you compare your best raw takes, like the best possible thing you can you can do, the best you can pull off, and you take that and compare it to your favorite records, you will probably still notice quite a big difference in the quality of the performance. Mm-hmm. And one reason for that is that you're probably comparing yourself to like outstanding unicorn musicians, but the other reason for this is called editing. So one reason, one the, the biggest reason for why your tracks need editing is if you want to compete with your favorite records, if you want to have a professional sounding record that doesn't distract the listener, that like lets the listener focus on the song, on the music, on the lyrics, on the melodies without getting distracted, that evokes the the emotions. Um, that it's supposed to, then you you will probably need some editing. It's just part of it. It's not possible to do it without it, with the exception of a very few genres that are very loose by definition. But yeah, there's a this reminded me. Um, uh, one of my favorite guitarists is John Mayer, who is pretty polar, <laughs> polarizing as far as music fans go. <laughs> a lot of people love him. A lot of people don't. Um, but he's definitely a fantastic guitarist. Uh, but I, I grabbed one of his albums a while back, and in the credits, he actually gave a shout out to the editing engineer on his album, um, and it was like a like a like a custom little like it said something like like oh special thanks to so and so who personally touched every note on this album, um, and he's it, like referring to somebody going through literally every little transient on the like every track, you know, um, and it's like John Mayer stuff is very high quality productions. Um, but have a ton of feel. Yeah. So what's going on there, right? <laughs> yeah. Like somebody going through every detail on those albums, and they're huge budgeted albums. You know, these very, very massive. Um, especially like he came up in like the the golden era of big budget stuff as well, uh, or or just after, anyways. But you know, millions of dollars being spent on this stuff. Yeah. And uh, and somebody's going through every detail, but he's got like some super groovy rhythm tracks going down um and somebody's editing everything it still feels vibey and he's using the best musicians in the world like he's literally using steve jordan who is as legendary as they come as far as drummers go um and things are still getting edited so what really (laughs) benny and i are talking about is that a lot of bands get started in this and and want to start recording and think that they don't need to um and it's like okay why could an inexperienced band not need it, but the best musicians in the world are embracing it? Yes. There's a, there's a kind of a weird divide there. Um, and it kind of, like we talked about click tracks. There used to be the thing of like, don't use click tracks, but it's like, but all your favorite bands do. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so it's kind of the same thing. Um, and, and editing has that kind of thing to it as well, where people think it's cheating or, or something like that. Um, but I just don't agree. <laughs> nope. And you just said it, basically. They are not the best musicians in the world. They not only are okay with it, they embrace it. Because yeah. they know it makes their performances even better. They know that by the end, every single note will be there 
intentionally every note will be exactly where it's supposed to be to create the perfect like emotional reaction and like when people listen to the music and they embrace it because all they want is to make the perfect record and not in a technically perfect sense like perfect record doesn't mean that every microsecond is like you know everything's on the grid to the microsecond it's not that it's perfect for the song for the sound for the music for the emotion the the content of the songs so all they want to do is make that perfect record and make what they make sure that it turns out um the way they wanted it to so yeah that's why they embrace it and i think that many people know what editing is but i think they either don't understand it completely and so they are afraid of it or they doubt that it's really necessary because they believe that those big records have not been edited right or they even believe that it hurts the music as you said like um but all of that i think comes from a lack of knowledge and understanding and i think most people would be surprised when they see what when they saw what like what went into their favorite records as and perfect um the john mayer is a perfect example for that because i yeah. bet when they went through this record and edited it they were not looking at the grid and like they were not putting the the acoustic guitar on every like bar or every um every beat but they were listening to the music and they made sure that when it's supposed to be early it was early or when it's supposed to be late it was late and by the exact right amount you know and that's yeah. an art in and of itself yeah like another little perspective is that they could have recorded that album without any editing and it would still sound tighter than your band, you know, (laughs) like that's the level they're at. Um, but they are still trying to get further. Um, so I I feel like for, for bands that aren't super experienced with studio proficiency, uh, not editing is like, you are really doing yourself an extra disservice because you're competing against bands that are on another level that are also using these tools. Just kind of a weird way to think about it. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I think, like you said, it's not about always just putting it to the grid. I think a lot of but of editing and being a good editor um, and being a good producer is choosing what not to touch. So that fellow went through every little transient on the John Mayer album, but he didn't touch everyone. Like he just looked at everyone. You know, um, some stuff didn't need to be moved. I'm sure, probably a lot of stuff in their case. Um, but it was considered and I consider that part of editing yes hey friend this is Benedict from the selfrecordingband.com and if you are producing your own songs I have a question for you do you ever listen to your music and feel like something is just off maybe the drums sound weak or the guitar tone bothers you maybe the vocals don't really cut through the mix Or the whole thing just doesn't sound finished and professional, but you can't really put your finger on it? I know you want to release big, punchy, professional sounding songs, right? The type of authentic, unique art that connects with your audience on a deep level. But you're just not sure what's missing with your recordings. Somehow you just can't connect all the dots. And I get it, the amount of things to learn and all the conflicting information out there can be really overwhelming. Especially if you're a lone wolf trying to figure it all out on your own, right? Now here's the good news. Whether you've been self-recording for years or you're just setting up your first home studio, I want to offer you my personal one-on-one help. As long as you are determined to put in the work, I'm offering a limited amount of free one-on-one coaching calls with me. On this hour-long call, 
We'll dive deep into your recordings and create a personalized roadmap for you to finally solve the issues you're struggling with so that you can release music that you'll be proud of forever. If you are ready to see and believe that it's actually possible to achieve your goals and make the records you've always wanted to make, then go to theselfrecordingband.com slash call and apply for one of my limited coaching spots. I can assure you that making exciting and successful DIY records is very doable. We've done it. Lots of other people have done it. You can do it as well. Talk soon. TheSelfRecordingBand.com slash call. Hundred percent agreed. So yeah, we kind of we are on our way of like uh, to debunk that theory, demystify editing, and um, we're trying to explain to you again why this is such a crucial step and. I don't know why we, I don't know, have we talked about this before? Like we are 44 episodes in, we didn't have a dedicated editing episode. I think we, every once in a while it came up, but we didn't really, um, yeah, dedicated a whole episode or a huge part of it to this topic. But it's just, it, I feel like it is really, really important. And the thing is, every every time I mention this topic, be it in a conversation or in a, in a post online or in a Facebook group or whatever, immediately a discussion starts because... I don't know. It's just some people immediately jump on the conversation and tell me or tell others that editing is the devil. Others um, jump in and like defend editing. And but it seems to be a topic that's you know polarizing and sort of important to people. But most of them don't really know what they're talking about. <laughs> oftentimes, <laughs> so so it, yeah. So I I really think it's 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 important. To, to talk about it and to clarify what it can do, what it can't do, and why most songs just need it. Yes. Um, what's the... Is it the Hippocratic Oath? It's the, like, doctors have to, like, swear to do no harm. Um, yeah. Above all, do no harm. That is a, a very good rule of thumb with editing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, you're not doing any harm. Uh, and, you know, actually, that's, like, only somewhat true. Sometimes you do have to make things sound like in an extreme situation, I will be okay with like an artifact from something being stretched. If it is worth the benefit of like the timing being correct or whatever. But uh, for the most part, <laughs> do no harm is, is the goal here for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And we need to make clear once again, that editing is not about removing the feel or anything organic about your music or like, sucking the life out of the music that's not what it's about it's the the opposite is true it's about removing what is distracting what doesn't serve the song about doing no harm as malcolm said and it's about leaving that stuff in and and even putting more focus on the stuff that's really contributing to the emotion and the impact of the song and that like it's the opposite of what many th people think it is so you want to remove what's what's distracting and what doesn't serve the music. So actual mistakes, then things like noise, of course, and stuff that just doesn't belong there is that is also part of editing. Just cleaning everything up, you know. But then removing obvious mistakes—that's the most basic level of editing, I think. And but then it goes further, and it goes into the like yeah, when you want to improve the performance, and that's what Malcolm was was talking about. What, what you were talking about when you said. Um, even the best musicians in the world benefit from that beyond just removing mistakes, which probably doesn't happen 
as often with those kinds of musicians, um, there's still editing to do because we want to take their almost flawless performances and make them really flawless. You know? Yes, exactly. Uh, you know what is just occurring to me? Uh, that there's, again, weirdly, some people are like strongly against editing for whatever reason, but nobody's against like compression or limiting and, and like using compression on like a drum kit is just as much as editing as, as editing is like, we're, we're totally changing the dynamics of how they played. Um, and, and very intentionally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's like, it's the same thing We're we're editing is mixing in a, in a way. Yeah. Um, because how a kick drum sounds when the bass is early on it or synced up to it is totally different. Yes, absolutely. That's actually a great way to look at it. Like we are constantly, we're completely okay with pretending that a drummer hit harder than he actually did, but we're not okay with pretending he was earlier or later. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but like it's the completely the same thing. Um, we're just manipulating the performance to serve the song and to make it better. So, yeah. and what's also interesting is what you said about the bass and the kick. Um, that's actually one of the points here on our on our outline is, is that you can actually change or improve the uh, the sound of the recording of the song. Not only the performance, not only how it how the performance feels, but it will sound better and different if it is edited or performed properly. Absolutely, because things add up. You know, if there's if on on the first beat of a part the kick, the bass, and the rhythm guitar are perfectly together, the part will hit completely different and sound completely different than if it's like a sloppy beginning of that part. Yeah, yeah, I, I really like that. It's just editing is mixing. It's like pre-mix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then it, like it's no wonder uh, that like really loose recordings are harder to mix, right? <laughs> yes. I would even go as far as to say that some bands, some people would be better off, if they had to choose, they would be better off choosing editing instead of mixing than the other way around. Because I think if you edit properly, if you really do an awesome job editing a performance, like you, let's say you have an okay performance and you really do an amazing job editing it, and then you just do a rough fader balance and panning and no real mixing, that will probably sound better than the unedited performance, like made sound like that, that's been made. Um, yeah, that's been mixed yeah, or yeah. made sound good. You know, like I, I think the edited great performance with a well, just with a fader volume balance, will sound better. It definitely could. I think in some some situations that could be totally true. Yeah. Um, I've definitely had some situations where i've had to mix something and it, it is a mess and i have to like figure out what is the strongest thing in the like strongest performance and actually that like that's a weird thing as like okay to salvage this i have to draw attention to whatever is like the least crappy <laughs> yeah. so maybe that's the drums i can make the drums sound awesome because the player was okay there but everything else the guitars are really bad at the out of tune so i gotta like draw attention away from them and that is such a compromise um Think about how much better that end product would have been if the guitars had been in tune. I wouldn't have had to try and hide them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it, like that kind of goes back to both just editing affecting the mix, but also the emotional impact of the song now as well. Because uh, I don't. Do you think about songs as like sustain based versus rhythmic based? Um, I know, <laughs> yeah. like that's something I, I picked up from Joel Wanasek. Uh, uh, a mixer we're both familiar with yeah. um and and he kind of like 
labels things in, in ways like that, like going with a more transient heavy mix, which is more like, you know, drum center centric um, or a more sustained one where you're using more like keys or guitars and stuff like that. Uh, it's kind of an interesting way to look at both uh, productions like and, and mixes um, off topic, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. In a, in a way I do, in a way I do that definitely informs some of the decisions that I make. So yeah, it's not my usual kind of perception method, but it, it is a fun way to look at it every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and in a way I do like totally off topic, but the way I shape the low end, for example, depends on that a lot, mm. I think. And yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. Um yeah, I mean, so you can definitely improve the performance, you can remove what's what's distracting, you can remove mistakes. Also, that's also an interesting thing, I think, is even if you have perfect individual performances let's say you have super good musicians and everyone did their part like if you listen to the parts in solo they just be perfect performances and touching and and like the vibe is there and the emotion is there and everything but that doesn't mean that together they create the perfect version of the song maybe they still need editing because the individual amazing performances need some help to to so they will work together well yeah that could that could just be the case so that is so important to understand. The The not editing thing works a lot better if things are played together. If they're overdubbed, it's a freaking disaster, in my opinion. Um, there is there is a difference in how people gel together when it's overdubbed versus played together live. Um, and I've, I've definitely, actually, I just had a band and the, the poor bassist had a great take on the second take, but the drummer's take came like three or four after and we were getting bets live. So he's like, well, I got it on the second one. And I'm like, I don't care about that take, man. Like, to be honest, like, <laughs> uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm drums first here and you're gonna, whatever gelled to that is going to be my priority. And, and if we need to overdub to those drums, it'll, it'll be what it is kind of thing. Because like, his perfect take is not, not to those drums. It's like, it won't work together at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's like this connection thing is important to consider. And most recordings these days are, of course overdubbed so you're losing that um so we're using like a reference like a click and playing to the you know the previously recorded instruments so maybe drums but it's still just different and it needs the helping hand of of us manually going in and just making sure it's all how how we intend yeah totally totally so what would you say to the people who by now will still say well but my favorite records definitely have mistakes in them <clears throat> and they're definitely not perfect and they don't sound edited and all the modern recordings i don't like them because they sound too perfect so i'm against editing so down at the bottom here uh, on our outline i wrote editing is a time saver uh and it, that's that's pretty important actually because what your favorite band might have done is maybe really good, but does have some mistakes, and, and maybe they didn't edit. I'm going to say they probably actually did have yeah. some editing, but uh, but uh, but maybe you're right. Maybe they didn't, but they probably had a lot of time to play that in the studio. Um, and time is something that most bands don't have a lot of. If you're in a, a like a rental studio, like a commercial studio, you you have very little time, I'm sure, because it's very expensive. So editing can be the difference between. Uh, like a, a pretty much a throwaway take and a keeper take if you're under like a time crunch kind of thing. Um, you can really salvage some stuff with that. So I think it's important just uh, like if you want results that are even up to like that level, 
in a short amount of time and and your ability is not there, editing is really going to be the clutch um, that that makes that possible for you. But okay, that didn't really answer your question. I'm in a way it did. I said that in a way it did. In a way it did. That's part of the answer, definitely. But then, yeah, to the imperfections, like being okay. I mean, it's it's something we've said before. It's like it's despite them, not because of them, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's it's like there's always going to be examples of that, and, but it, like that's not why the song was successful. It's an amazing song, for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I also think that these famous records that we all like, that we all love, that may might have or definitely have some small mistakes or imperfections in them. First of all, yeah, despite them, not because of them, because they didn't have the tools we have today. Now you might say, okay, so, but that's what makes those record those recordings special. And if they would have, like, if they had the tools, they would have ruined it. I don't think they would have. But um, other than that, I think those musicians, especially back then, when it was so hard to become like a professional musician, when there were gatekeepers, when not everybody was able to go to the studio and record a record with a budget, those people were almost always like really exceptional artists and musicians. So comparing ourselves to those musicians and assuming we can do the same, and if we leave our mistakes in, it will be the same, the same magic will happen that happened back then. It's just dangerous because it's not likely that it will. We are not like, those are like really unicorn outstanding musicians. And those were also moments in time like that, that were just captured and that were, it's not that every band that enters the studio is able to capture that moment. It was the right time for that song with the right people in the right room. They've probably been in that studio for months or years working on that record and suddenly Mm -hmm. clicked and this happened in this second and they captured it. It's not something you can just reproduce by like setting up a bunch of microphones and interface in your practice room and doing it for two weeks. That's yeah. not the same thing. So you can't assume that this will happen. And I also think that most mistakes that end up on our records today are they are not intentional. They are not magical. They are just the result of us not being able to do any better. That, yeah. <laughs> and so there's no reason to keep them. There's really no reason. Why would they help the songs? You know, it's there's nothing magical about them. So I think you should always, and that's what it comes down to, if you want to have mistakes in your songs and imperfections because you think it helps the music, you should question every single one of those mistakes and like look for a really good reason to keep it. And if there's no good reason, if it's just because you think mistakes are good, then you should probably remove it. Like you, you better have a really good reason to leave those in. Sometimes it they could help. Sometimes it is cool. Sometimes being a little late or early or whatever, or having a little like I don't know. Sometimes noisy things or whatever can be really cool. Can can add vibe and character to a record. But you better have a reason for keeping it in. You'll know as well. Like I it, think so. Yeah. When when lightning strikes, it's like for sure. Like I've got a, a dog barks in the back of like a vocal take <laughs> on on a song I did, and I was like, oh, that was like that was so perfect. Like how it's timed, everything. Like listen to that. You can like it's just snuck in there, and yeah, band's like yes, absolutely. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, if it had been like on top of the word like that they're singing and like distracting, then probably not. Right. Like it just. It happened, and we could we knew instantly it was awesome. Um, 
but most of the time, if my dog's barking, I'm like, <laughs> all right, stop the take. <laughs> I can't have dogs barking in every album. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And by the way, the same is true for the other way around. If you decide to edit something, you better have a good reason for it as well. So, oh, yeah. like, natural feel that actually fits the song is something completely different than a mistake. And this should be removed, of course. This shouldn't. Absolutely not. So... Um, it's the same, you need, to, you need to think about it in the exact same way. So if you have a performance that's obviously great and you decide to edit it just because you heard that you should edit your music, that's not what we're trying to say here. You should have a reason for it. You should, if you think it will be better after it's edited because you want it really tight, then do it. But if you think, um, and you need to have the experience to really be able to to tell that, that's the hard part. But if it's not better, if the song is perfect as it is, the performance is perfect as it is, you might ruin it by editing. That can totally be the case. So when in doubt, just try it. Maybe make a copy, edit the drums to the grid or edit the bass and the guitars to the drums, make it perfect, compare the two versions, and you will immediately know what feels better. Show it to others if you're still struggling, but like, do some experimenting, do some tests, and then use whatever is better. But in both cases, always be intentional. I I think you shouldn't you shouldn't ever edit something just because, and you shouldn't leave the mistakes in just because. You you need to know why. Yeah, you'll find that as you develop your skills as an editor, um, which is part of the tool bag of a DIY recording yeah. band, because editing isn't. We we just said that editing is mixing, but it is not the mixer's job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is. It's a like along the way process, right? Um, that that has to happen. So it's got to be whoever's like it's. Well, it's just got to happen. But generally, if you're a self-producing, self-recording band, um, which you obviously are, if you're listening to this, you got to develop these skills on your own, or or be willing to hire somebody to do it. Yeah. But in general, it's it's pretty wise to develop these skills. I think very good tools set to have at your disposal. Um, anyways, I lost my train of thought entirely <laughs> by talking about that. <laughs> talking about something. Uh, uh, oh, well. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Two cups of coffee wasn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, like it, Editing is part of the tool bag of a DIY engineer. Um, that's what you said. <laughs> You're trying to remind me. Trying to get me going again. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's back. Um yeah, as you develop these skills, yeah, it'll become a, like the the different types of tightness will become different tools that you can use based on the situation you're in. Um, like you'll know what those guitars could sound like if you went really crazy with like the doubles and made them really sync up um, versus what they are when with the player's ability just doing it naturally kind of thing. You'll know what it would be like if you just kind of slightly aligned them. You'll they, they kind of becomes like a, a color palette that you can use um, and that might be like something you're making a decision on like with each step of the song. Like, so you might have super tight drums, but leave guitars loose or you might have the opposite, you know? Um, and, and it's like, yeah, it's a very conscious and act, like active decision-making going on. It's not just, this is my move go kind of thing. It's like, yeah, it's a, a taste decision, but until you've done it, it's really hard to know what that will be like. So you have to develop the skills and try it out and go, to these different extremes um, to kind of find out what's possible and learn what that sounds like. Yeah. Um, I remember until I've talked about this before, but when I, my band did an an album with Eric Ratz 
big shop producer over here in Canada. And until I'd done guitars with those guys, I had no idea that guitars could could sound that good. Yeah. <laughs> it was like I was not even in the, the ballpark of what I thought was tight. Um was was so far off what tight can be. And and for like that big modern rock kind of sounding guitar tone, that's I, I learned how to get there through that process. Um and what I like how vigilant I need to be to to pull that off. Yes, absolutely. It, it's a lot more vigilant than you think. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, it is. It is. It absolutely is. And I think yeah, same for me. Like nobody has an idea uh of what what professional editing actually looks like until you like see it and it's it was a big aha moment for me as well. Yeah, and it, it took quite a while actually. Even when I thought I knew what editing was, I was still blown away by the by the amount of detail that like professionals put into that. And mm-hmm. even today, I'm I'm not doing much editing anymore because like I have Thomas who does a lot of editing for me and I've outsourced editing to other people. But I know how to do it and I've, I've edited a bunch myself. But mm-hmm. every time I get edited tracks back from someone who's taking it really seriously, I'm still kind of blown away by it. I'm still kind of learning. I'm still, I don't know. It's like there are some people who do nothing but editing every day, day in, day out. They're real editing specialists and the speed, the confidence in their decisions, their ability to judge if something needs like needs some correction or not is mm-hmm. is actually pretty fascinating. That's a, a really mind-blowing skill to have and it can totally it's an integral part of making a record. It's like super valuable to have those people and to have these skills. And if you are a DIY engineer or band recording themselves, as Malcolm said, absolutely a skill you want to develop. You don't need to become the best at it, but you, you, I think you should at least know some basic editing, just, yeah. just so you know what it is all about, just so that you can talk about it with your engineer, your mixing engineer, whatever. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just a value, very valuable skill to have. Also, yeah. it kinds of, it kinds of, it kind of tells you, and that goes back to the last episode. It kind of tells you when something is tight enough or not because once you know what can or can't be done in editing and how tight something should be after editing you can make a decision about whether or not your take that you just recorded your performance was actually good enough absolutely yeah that uh segues here most of what we've been kind of referring to i think anyways a lot of it's been referring to like timing editing um where we're like you know nudging clips around the timeline to sync stuff up but there's there's kind of like a i can kind of think of like four spots there's like timing which of course um but there's also pitch right so tuning stuff um usually vocals but you can also you can tune all sorts of stuff bass guitars guitars i mean there's even like polyphonic tuners that can tune like individual notes and chords (laughs) i've never had to do that but it's appealing (laughs) um and uh and then there's like noise repair stuff which is actually super important and uh like that 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 happens uh more often than you'd think but like click bleed getting through in something um and needing to like be able to pull out the sound of a metronome bleeding into something or like weird clicks and pops that pop up in recording um getting rid of like clipping distortion sometimes you know like there's noise repair editing and then there's of course like we said there's kind of like mixing editing where you're editing for sonic decisions um like for example, I just did a pretty like modern rock new metal song and I chopped the end of like the notes for these like dun 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 
da 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 and it's like very staccato like inhumanly staccato on every instrument like literally just deleted all the audio from the timeline in those little shots and uh that was a sonic decision not a performance decision really yeah. right i needed like there literally to be a lack of noise there <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah totally um so yeah what you you got to you should develop skills in Really pitch in time if for for the DIY recordist who's trying to kind of just learn the like the bare minimum of uh, skills that are going to really help you get by in making your record. I think timing editing and pitch editing are the two I would focus on. Noise repair is like you kind of got to get specialty software and stuff like that. So yeah. probably don't do that. <laughs> just work. Make sure that you don't have bad noises in your recordings. That's yeah. better. Yeah. And then the mixing thing. That's you know that's mixing things. But yeah. and it's also kind of production. Um, but yeah, two developable skills is first off timing, and then uh, and pitch. Um, some DAWs do have pitch software, some don't. Uh, so I guess that could be tricky if you have to buy something. But it, like that, I don't think anybody can become a truly good vocal recordist, like recording engineer, until they've tuned some vocals. Yeah, absolutely, and that's also. And now people will say, "What tuning vocals? You can't do that." Like it's, <laughs> you know, um, there is an episode of. Of our podcast, it's um, episode seventeen. It's called "Vocal Tuning Isn't Just for T Pain." And um, yeah, just listen to that episode because vocal tuning, same as with editing, editing in general, uh, is not supposed to ruin your recordings, but it can really help you get your recordings to sound like they should. And once you've played around with tuning vocals, editing vocals, you, I think, only then you'll know what. A great vocal recording actually sounds like this will help you record so much better takes it will help you make become a better singer actually mm-hmm. and um yeah i totally agree with with you here malcolm that you need to at least you need to at least try and uh and manipulate some vocals and correct the pitch if you want to like find out yeah. what what is actually tight and what is actually a good a good performance and good intonation there's also another benefit that you kind of just alluded to in learning to edit. It's that, I mean, it forces you to look your takes in the eye and assess how well you're actually doing. Um, so that can be pretty disheartening sometimes. You're like, oh man, I'm really having to work hard to get this to sound tight with my editing. That means that obviously you could work harder on the performance side of things as well. Um, and like same with like pitch and all that for singing. Um, but it also like encourages you, like it's inspiring to, to try and get things better because editing for most people isn't considered fun. <laughs> it's like a time-consuming, tedious task, you know? So it's going to push you to, like, figure out ways to track smarter and more efficiently and, and get better performances and, you know, to just, like, practice, I guess, as well. Mm. Um, and it can be really illuminating. Like, uh, I've had drummers that have, like, kind of come to see what I'm doing to their drum track and be like, I'm really ahead, aren't I? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you just you play a little ahead. And they, they work on that then. Um, you, you can finally visually see what your bad habits are. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty useful. So much. Absolutely. So I think we need to, bef- the last thing we need to do is we need to make clear that editing, and we t- kind of failed to do that in the beginning, that editing is not part of mixing. It's an, an own like step of the process. It's own step of the process. And it's partly correction, like removal of mistakes, and partly enhancing the performance. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like it's got nothing like it, it does something to the sonics and to the audio quality, to the way things sound, but it's not like using EQ and compression. That's all mixing stuff. It's manipulating the the recording and preparing it so that it can be mixed properly. So it's the step between recording and mixing, if you want. And um so we need to clarify that. And what's happening there? Oh my <laughs> I didn't expect that. And you can see that if you're listening to the podcast, but my little boy just came into my office here. Hi. <laughs> I guess he can't hear me. Right? No, he can't hear you. But he can't see you, and he looks kind of fascinated by, <laughs> by the screen here. <laughs> He's the guy that looks like he just woke up. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And he That's kind funny. of probably thinks it's disturbing that I'm talking in a language he doesn't understand. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, we were about to wrap it up anyway. So it's its own step between recording and mixing. And um, it w- I just want to clarify that because I don't know about you, but I, I've had the request a couple of times from people that sent me stuff to mix. And then they are actually wanting me to edit stuff. And they don't realize yes. that this is, it is not mixing because it is not, you know, it is something different. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally... <laughs> That's too funny. You keep right on. Um, yeah, the same's happened to me, of course, as well. I think it's happened to everybody in the biz. Um, but it's just a misconception. Um, and it, it's just a different mindset. You actually don't want your mixer to be doing the editing right before they mix because it takes them out of the emotional side of their brain, um, which is where you want to be mixing from more so. Uh, so I, I even if I do end up doing editing and mixing on a song, I try to put like a serious gap of time between those two tasks um it, it's not uncommon like if there's like i'm cutting a single with a band we go and record it and and then like i i edit as i go so by the time we're finished recording we're we're edited for the most part um but then like a week between that date and me starting to consider mixing mm. is pretty standard for me yeah um, i want to like pretty much i want to forget that i worked on the song by the time i get it to mix <laughs> yeah totally Totally. Same, same here. And the, the, what I like the most is just outsourcing, editing and prepping completely so that I don't have to deal with that and just worry about the creative decisions. That's what I like most. Yeah, it's just a separate step. But just know that if you are making a record, the editing needs to be done by someone. So it, you can either do it yourself or you can hire someone or you can ask your mixer if the, like he or she can include it in and the project rate or whatever, but it needs to be done. You can't just skip it. And even if you don't think your song needs editing, it probably does. And even if it's just subtle editing, some moves, you just can't skip this step. So just th- consider this, think about it, um, have some budget for it or the time to do it yourself, but just know that it needs to be done. And th- this is just so important to say because not every band knows that this is the case. So yeah. definitely... Yeah. Also, you have to like when you send it to a mixer, they're assuming that you're you've delivered what they want mixed, that the decisions have been made. You know, like that we're trusting that these like it was how in, how you intended. So you can't really expect them to to call it out either because the that's the producer's job. Um, and that's their role. To I mean, like I do occasionally say 
like, hey, <laughs> this is pretty, like, this, this would be a lot better, you know. But um, in general, that's not really the, the mixer's duty, right? The mixer's there to, to mix the decisions that were made by the producer. Yeah. Um, I, will, so, I will totally call them out. <laughs> just, yeah. just because, no, not in every case. If I know that there has been a producer in a studio and we're not involved, I, yeah. I'm, I definitely know my place and I assume they, they know what they're doing. But if it's a DIY band and I feel like yeah. the song could be much better, I just say it. Even if I risk, like, um, I've never had, like, really bad experience doing that. But it's, of course, like, it, you're basically telling the band that their recordings are not good enough. But yeah, I will, I'm just fine doing that. If, if I think, I think my job is to give them the best thing I can possibly give them. And if that in, uh, involves telling them or asking them if they could fix a thing or two, then I'm happy to do that. So yeah, a good mixer, I think, will or should um, have at least a conversation about this with you. So Yeah, you can always check, right? You can yeah. always be like, is this <laughs> how you want it? Yeah. You know, because I would like it to be another way. Um, and it, it's always, like, I've, I've done the same thing. I've actually had just told bands to redo it. Um, and the, and then like, you know, it doesn't happen. So it's like, okay, well that gig is lost because of that. But did I really want to spend time trying to mix this hot mess? No. no. Right. Like it's not worth it. No. It's even, I even go that as far as like, I have this conversation before I even listen to the, the music. I'm not that I'm telling them it's not good enough before I have listened, but <laughs> <laughs> that would be, I could tell from your band yeah. name that you suck. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, Sometimes I sometimes I think I can, but <laughs> oh, no, hilarious. no. But um, what I'll do is I'll have I'll ask them questions when we start talking about working together. And one of those questions is: Are your tracks edited? Um, do you still need help mm. with editing? Are the performance? Are you happy with your performances? Is there something you're not happy with but just don't know how to fix? You know, stuff like that. So I figure out before we even start. I figure out how they like their performances, if they think it needs some work, if it's, if they considered it edited. And right. uh, so that's, I think the way to go. And yeah. And then um, when they tell me it's edited and I listen to it and it's clearly not or not enough, then I'll just let them know and we'll go from there. And I even go as far as like, if I don't think it will be a product in the end that I could be proud of, proud to have my name on and like that I'm proud to share with the world, then I, chances are I'm not going to do it, actually. So, mm. I don't know. I, like In the beginning, I think you say yes to everything, but at some point, I realized that I only want to do something that actually helps bands and helps people. And I right. think paying a lot of money for a mix, knowing that, or they, they don't know, but uh, like taking a lot of money for a mix, in my case, knowing that what I will give them back will not help them reach any of their goals because it will not sound professional or the way they want it to sound. Doesn't help them. Doesn't help yeah. me if people know that I, I did this this sort of work. So, yeah. That's how yeah, important editing absolutely. is. If, it's, if you're not willing to do it, I might not even want to mix it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because people won't want to listen to it. So. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Did we drive that point home? I think so. Great. Um, we should mention that if you uh, are looking to find somebody to edit your music, like you don't want to learn to do it yourself or just like, you know, some people, you're not, you're not going to be good at everything. 
Um, you know, I, for example, am pretty slow at vocal tuning, if I'm honest. Uh, I, I think I'm good at it, but I kind of get caught up in the, the details too much. Um, so I usually outsource it. I just got Melodyne, so I've been doing it myself lately because it's kind of fun. <laughs> but uh, but uh, like before, uh, well, I'm still I, I usually outsource it, um, and it, it like it's just you know because I needed to be get done quicker. And maybe you don't have an ear for pitch, but you do have an ear for timing, so you need to outsource that. But anyways, well, what I'm saying is try it all, try and learn it. If you can't, don't feel bad about it. Just outsource it and get the job done. Um, but if you need to find somebody, just reach out to Benny or I. We know a lot of editors. Um, and we can, I mean, I don't know if Thomas is available even, uh, but he's our, our podcast dude and Benny's guy. Um, and I've got a, a, people I use for all sorts of jobs as well. So reach out and we can set you up with somebody. Absolutely. Absolutely, we can. Cool. That's it for today's episode. Again, uh, check out episode number 17, theselfrecordingband.com slash 17. Um, it's about vocal tuning specifically. So if you want to learn more about vocal tuning, uh, listen to that. It's a deep dive into that special part of editing. And other than that, just experiment. Try and uh, see and can compare and be honest, get feedback, everything we've been talking about, and your music will definitely turn out better. Your recordings will definitely turn out better. All right. Take care. Take care. Thank you for listening. Bye. Hey friend, thanks again for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed this one, just know that this is just a tiny fraction, a small taste of what we can actually do to help you completely transform your recordings and mixes forever. If you are really serious about your music, if you want to reach your goals as a self-recording artist, then please apply now for the Self-Recording Syndicate, our coaching program that takes you from where you are to being able to completely independently produce and release exciting sounding music forever. If you join that program, you're going to be part of a very, very passionate, dedicated, committed group of self-recording artists from all around the world. And you're going to get a roadmap, guidance, feedback, personal access to me and the team. We're going to do everything, literally everything we can to help you make the best recordings you can possibly make and it all starts with a free first call, completely free, no strings attached. Best case scenario, we're going to end up working together and we're going to completely transform the way your music sounds. Worst case scenario, you're going to get an hour of free coaching and an action plan that you can then take and implement on your own. So if that sounds interesting to you, get started now with your first completely free call by going to theselfrecordingband.com slash call or just click the link in the show notes. See you next week.